Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. Good friend of the program, Dave Dufour is here. This week we're doing a two-part multiple part you guys can see in the camera i still don't know where the camera is because i'm new to video but we're doing a two-part episode doing bold predictions for the second half of the season post all-star break predictions dave dufour is here to do the eastern conference i have a guest in mind for the western conference i'm still waiting on planning so i don't want to promise a guest for that one but let's talk to dave and do the eastern conference dave what's going on man not much. Uh, enjoying the All-Star break. Like, actual break. Isn't it amazing? It's so good. Like, I feel much more relaxed. Like, I still have college basketball to watch because, like, basketball, <laughs> for me, as someone that does draft, like, it just doesn't yeah. sleep this time of year. Oh, I did watch basketball for pleasure, though. I, I watched Red Star Partisan. They, they had their derby <sighs> game. And, you know, that's the greatest sporting event I've ever been to was – Can can that, you explain like the vibe nope, in the crowd? I can't. To people like I can't. just never been over there because I've never know. been over there. Have you ever been you to watch war those games? And it's unbelievable. It's um, unbelievable. I I don't know, man. I imagine that yeah, it's kind of like what it used to feel like on the battlefield a thousand years ago when you were rushing headlong into the opponent, even though you were just sitting there watching. And I saw this in the the Red Star home gym, and it was home fans only there. There's riot police outside. There's chain smoking all in the stands. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's awesome. But I also really love dive bars in random places too. And, and this is sort of <laughs> the dive bar basketball. Um, it, I don't know. The, the basketball is fantastic. I mean, Adriatic League is not on, on the level of, of you know the Spanish ACB, but it's still really good and fun basketball, yeah. and it's physical. Hell, the crowd is physical. <laughs> and it's an intense experience, but I'm, you know, I've been at least described as an intense person. So um, I think it kind of suits me pretty well. I don't advise it to most people, but I loved it. I feel like it's one of those things that I would like to do once and never again mm-hmm. and like never even think about it again. You know what I mean? Like- I want to go back. I, I wanted to be there for this one. I mean, it's just like. I don't know. Uh, my what would like my dream job if I were cover like you know as a guy covering basketball. Yeah. I would love to be covering the Adriatic League. That would be a lot of fun for me. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite <laughs> well, areas of the planet and the basketball is silly. 
ish. Well, it's it's that, and it's not even silly. It's just different. It can be silly. NBA it is. can be silly, right? Like Ante yeah. Zizic is a monster there, and I love the league for that. Um, yeah. But it's this very specific, you know, thing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, guys like bigs who are hard workers, who mm-hmm. are like extremely active, who are like just super big. Like, super, it's why Boban came from that league. It's why yep. Yusuf Nurkic came from that league. Go it's why go. Ante Zizic came from that league. Like, Evita Zubats, I believe, was developed in that league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how much he actually played in the Adriatic necessarily. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where th- that league just develops bigs because so many of the bigs. Uh, in that area, I just have to develop such a thick skin and toughness to deal with everything that goes on. Yeah. I mean, it is it is wild, but this is not Adriatic League podcast. It could be. It could be. Hold on. Are we sure honest. that it's not? <laughs> no, I, 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 I really do. Uh, I, I, I loved Serbia. Serbia was amazing. But yeah, it's we, we should talk about the NBA, maybe. So what we're going to do here in this two-part podcast this week. We're going to do bold predictions. I'm going to ask my guests to give four bold predictions. I'm going to give four myself. And we are going to talk about uh, these things, if they're overreactions, if they're just beyond the pale, or if they're actual things that could happen uh, in the NBA right now. So the goal here is for these to be fun, right? Like the goal here is not... Um, oh my God, you need to hold us to these things. Like if one of these four things that each of us say is right, it's a win. It's like betting like plus 400 odds on these aren't even these guesses. Things, They're not right? even guesses. Yeah. Like we're, we're trying to come up with fun things to talk about within basketball, uh, that I think are worthwhile topics. And the first one that I will kick us off with is like a bold prediction it's definitely like a, over plus 400 right now. You can literally look at the odds for this one uh, on BetMGM, and maybe I'll pull them up as we're talking about it. But my prediction is that Giannis Antetokounmpo wins MVP. And right now, that's pretty bold based off of what the current MVP conversation is. Uh, it is Nikola Jokic against Joel Embiid. Uh, Tim Bontemps did his straw poll that he does uh, throughout the course of the year. And it was essentially like neck and neck where Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid had probably five times the support that Giannis Antetokounmpo did. Giannis was the clear third guy, though. And I think that what it comes down to for me personally is, I mean... Giannis right now is having, I think, probably his best season. Like what he's doing right now is just insane to me. It's completely bonkers. He is second in points behind Joel Embiid, who's averaging 29.6. Giannis is averaging 29.4. Giannis is undeniably one of the five best defensive players in the NBA. Uh, And you could say the same about Joel Embiid. Like right now, if if the vote was happening right now, I would vote for Joel Embiid. But... I think that there's going to be a bit of friction as James Harden is integrated to that scheme. And I think at the end of the season, we're going to look up Giannis is leading the league in points per game. He's averaging God knows how many rebounds, what like freaking 12 a game, 13 a game, whatever he's up up to right now. Um, I'm I'm pulling up the number as we speak. He's, He's averaging, I think 12 right now. And 
averaging six assists per game and being one of the five best defensive players in the league. And I think that that is going to be an exceptionally difficult combination of factors to push past. And on top of that, I think we're about to see the Bucks just fly out of the gates here. Like, I think we're about to see Milwaukee take the top of the Eastern conference and end up as the number one seed in the Eastern conference um, to end the season. So Giannis Antetokounmpo, MVP. I wrote about this as my favorite bet whenever I did MVP uh, a while ago when he was 9-1 to one to win MVP. Uh, I still think that if I was betting, I would bet on Giannis to win MVP. I don't hate it. He's been incredible. Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Pro- might be the leading Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Yeah, it d- depends on what you think of Draymond Green and his candidacy. I just think that Draymond's missed right a lot now. of time, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and this year is going to be tricky for that, which, you know, we talked about before we started recording is just guys have been in and out so much um, that I don't I, I don't know. It's hard to put a, a pulse on a lot of things. But I will say that the top three guys are very clearly Giannis, Embiid and Jokic in some order. Yeah. And I think Steph Curry is like the fourth guy that that'll have a good opportunity here, especially with Phoenix now dealing with the Chris Paul issue, you know, he's going to be out. And I think Golden State's going to have an opportunity to potentially get that one seed, depending on how Phoenix goes. I mean, they haven't, they haven't had any bumps in the road so far this season. Yeah. And maybe this is yet another uh, speed bump that they're going to go right over. I think they have the sixth uh, weakest schedule the rest of the way. So Phoenix is not necessarily out of it for the one seed. Um, but Nikola Jokic is having possibly the greatest statistical offensive season in NBA history and is playing above average defense, anchoring a a decent defense with no help. And this is not to take away from Giannis because I don't think Chris Middleton has been all that great this year. And Drew Holiday has been, you know, obviously had injury issues and things of that nature. So I'm not trying to take away from Giannis, but I do want to say that I do that the degree of difficulty for Jokic is higher. I agree. And, And what he's doing from a statistical standpoint, if we're making these arguments, you know, I think is more impressive. That being said, Giannis is just, he's dominant on both ends and it's different. Like, cause Jokic is not dominant on defense. He, he's effective and he's above average and you can have an above average defense with him as your center with Giannis. Yep. There is no ceiling on your defense. I don't know. I'm of two minds there, but I don't, I, it wouldn't shock me if, if, if they go, you know, what do they have? Like 23, 24 games left. If they go 18 and six, or something, which I think the Bucks could do. Yeah. Giannis is definitely going to be there because I'm with you on the Sixers. I think that the transition adding Harden in, I think you're going to see him come in and, and do what he did in Brooklyn the first couple games, and it's going to be tentative, and he's going to be moving the ball. You get like six or seven games in, and it's going to go back to the James Harden thing. I mean, we've seen this enough. Um so Can I don't you really I don't, do that though with Joel Embiid. That's kind of my question. Hell, like, if I would, I wouldn't let it happen. Joel yeah. Embiid's a better player. I don't know. I, I just think that like there's going to be some early friction there. Mm-hmm. Like long term, like I, I think that they'll figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. But like part of what has made James Harden so effective in the past is having like a rim running role man. Joel Embiid's like a popping role yep. man, which is fine, and that's. I think just going to take some time, but part of the value of having a popping role man is better ability to finish at the rim uh, without that center having vacated the area or with that center having vacated the area. Uh, James Harden's having one of his worst finishing seasons of his career so far this year. And like, look, 
how much of this is this hamstring injury? How much of this is him coming into the season overweight? And how much of it is just, you know, him having checked out a little bit over the course of the last month, right? Like statistics this year, like you said, are just so all over the map that like you almost don't want to use them in some ways. But James Harden is statistically having one of his worst finishing seasons of his career, and he's 32 years old, and you wonder what this looks like, I think, to some extent. So, look, I agree with you. I think that Nikola Jokic right now, like, would I vote for him over Joel Embiid? I don't know. I don't know how much I want to make a proclamation on that without having like really thought that through. They would clearly be the top two guys right mm-hmm. now. I like, think it's close. This- it's close right now, but you add Harden into the mix right. and I do think it changes the calculus quite a bit. Right. And you're a hundred percent right. Nikola Jokic is having a historic offensive season. He's averaging 26 points, 14 rebounds and eight assists. Uh, he's doing it with very little guard play. He's shooting 57, 37, 80 from the field, which is like impossible. And like when you watch Jokic, somehow the numbers like don't capture it. It feels like, yeah. um, like he he's putting up historic numbers. He's putting up numbers that like. But I'm he didn't not- play in the fourth quarter of the All Star game, Sam. God damn it, Dave! <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, but like, I, I guess the, I guess that like when you watch this Denver team, it's just unbelievable. Uh, Nikola yeah. Jokic is should like not a, be happening. It shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I, I just really worry that voters, people who think that way, and there are people in the voting body who think this way, unfortunately, are going to have some voter fatigue with Nikola Jokic having won last year. I, I, Whereas, it was just last year. I mean, this is it's funny because I we heard this about Giannis. Are you really going to have right? – I think this is what it comes down to. Are you really going to have a guy that some people don't consider a top five player in the league? I think Which that's wrong. insane. The guy's been the best player in the wrong. world, arguably, for – like two years. I just totally, I, I think that you're a hundred percent right. And I think Nikola Jokic is unequivocally a top five player in the league, but there are people who do not think he's a top five player in the league. And some of those people have MB, MVP votes. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's going to be hard to sell those people on a guy that is not a top five player in the league in their minds, not in my mind sure. or in your mind, but in their minds, that guy winning MVP back to back years. I think it's going to be a hard sell for some people. Uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't follow sports media at all during like the Steve Nash MVPs, but this yeah. feels oddly familiar. The difference is that you could look at Steve Nash's numbers, and aside from the assists, you could be like, "Oh, well, this is pedestrian." I mean, he's a great shooter. You can't say that about Nikola Jokic. There's nothing yeah. pedestrian about it, and, and um, anybody who. Uh, is paying attention, knows what this guy is doing. And, and I mean, I, I'm not going to throw people under the bus, but um, if if you don't think this guy is in that top tier of player, I, I'm just not sure what else he could do to change your mind at this point. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it also feels I, like Giannis a few years ago where it just, uh, maybe totally. it's just the, the glacier, uh, the glacial pace of, mental change that it requires in the NBA circles. And, and it's probably because everyone spends too much time on Twitter where, yeah. you know, I don't know, man, like they, they care more about what Jared Allen's wearing than uh, what he's doing on a basketball court. But you know, you know what the funny thing is about Jokic and the Giannis conversation from a couple years ago, because I think that's the one that it reminds me most of just like elite productivity, 
some people didn't consider him a top five player in the world at that point. Right. And they were mm-hmm. wrong to think that as well. Um, I think that with Jokic, where it gets weird is just, he's had the playoff success. Like you <laughs> right. could go back during that time yeah. in, with Giannis and say like, okay, this guy hasn't won in the playoffs yet. I mean, you can look at Nikola Jokic's playoff numbers. They're better than the regular season numbers. Like he's outstanding when the games matter most. But he ran out of gas in the playoffs. And now, you know, even though he was the only guy out there and now it's held against him, now he's a playoff choker. It sounds like Steph Curry too, right? It's just that people pick and choose the guys that they like. And I think that, you know, maybe it's what he looks like. Maybe. Honestly, like I think there is a lot of like dissonance there. Like it just in terms of him being like an overweight white dude who just like dominates the league. I think there's like, it, although it he's is, in impeccable condition right now. I mean, he might be, yeah. uh, he's one of the, the handful of most in shape guys in the league. I mean, especially when you consider how big he is, you watch in terms him, of like not getting fatigued. Yes. But he doesn't guy's look an like endurance it. athlete. Yeah. Right. Um, and he's a better athlete than what people give credit for. Mm-hmm. Like I've written before, like you talk to people at P3, like one thing that really stood out to them is his ability to get off the floor quickly. Uh, not his necessarily ability to like leap off the floor and get as high as like Andre Drummond or someone like that. His second jump on Tippins, his timing is excellent. I mean, you know, we can sit here and extol the virtues of Nikola Jokic forever and it'll never change the mind of some people. Yeah. Until they win a title. And then exactly, yeah, and Giannis like they'll become modern day Larry Bird at that point. Yep, yeah, Yeah. and Giannis winning the title totally changes the script about Giannis. Yeah, like there's what Nikola Jokic is doing right now, and what he did last year is better than anything Dirk has ever done in his career. He's at a higher level right now than Dirk ever was, and Dirk is a top twenty player of all time. I mean, like this, Nikola Jokic good. is a top 20 player of all time by the time it's all said and done. Um, yeah. there, I think there are six of those guys in the league right now. I, that's a conversation for a later date. That I could be a hot that take, are, but that's... I think that the level of talent in the league right now is just so unbelievable. Unparalleled. It's so, so unbelievable. My favorite thing to um, say is that there are no bums anymore. There's not a single bum. No. Period. It's too competitive. No, there's not. Yeah. We're getting crazy. to the point, man, I, like... The the difference between your your middle of the road guys and your stars that gap is shortening. The the middle of the road guys are so much better than they were ten years ago and yeah. twenty years ago. Good grief, those guys wouldn't even make the league now. Uh, and well, I think and our next yeah. like we're lucky to have this sort of upward trajectory of talent in the league. And that's something I talk about with the draft as well. Like the level to which you have to be able to enter the league to be able to play minutes now. Yeah. And that, that speaks to how good this rookie class is that a lot of guys have really been able to step in. But I think that the talent level of the guys that are, you know, 375th in the NBA to 450th in the NBA in terms of roster spots is higher than it's ever been by a substantial, substantial margin. It's awesome. yeah, but this original bold prediction was Giannis uh, mm-hmm. winning MVP, even though we just extolled the virtues of Nikola Jokic <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. Um, the reason I like the for take, me, though. I like it. Yeah, to, to, to shorten the take, essentially, is that I think there's going to be voter fatigue for Jokic that is unfortunate and shouldn't occur. And I hope that people like go and watch Nikola Jokic more. And I think there's going to be some 
friction early with James Harden. And I think the Bucs are going to go on this crazy run here. They're going to win, you know, 18 of their last 22 games or whatever and win the Eastern Conference. And that's going to lead people to go for Giannis. Dave, you are up with your first bold prediction. The Chicago Bulls are going to lose their first round playoff series. Not a bad one. I like it. Let's let's dive in. Give me give me the take. Well, I mean, I'm worried about their defense being able to hold up and what Caruso and Lonzo are going to be able to offer after missing all this time. And this isn't to say mm-hmm. that they haven't been incredible. They're the two seed right now. Or are they tied for one? DeMar DeRozan yeah, and what he's they're done. they're tied for one. Good yeah. grief. DeMar DeRozan, uh, a, a guy who I hope is getting a, a, a few of those MVP votes, maybe not one, two, or three, but I'd like to see him on the list as a, a yeah. hey, this guy has been awesome for a really long time and now everyone's seeing it. And and when you have talent that, that fits him around him, look at what you can do. So it's been a great story and they're a fun team. Um, I just, I just, don't know if Vooch is going to be able to get it done. Um, they need to be a home court advantage team, but their their first round matchup, it probably they are probably the the home court advantage team that needs a favorable matchup the most. Like yeah. they are just ripe to be knocked off in the in the first round to me because of some of the holes and question marks. So. I'm glad you brought up DeMar because my fourth bold prediction was, and this is a longer term uh, prediction, is that this season, this 2021-22 season, is the season that pushes DeMar DeRozan into the Hall of Fame. Hmm. And I think that the numbers would surprise people in terms of just how – how close he is to that mark already. Uh, Look, he's going to be first team all NBA this year. I I don't think that's really a stunner. He's going to have, that's going to be his third all NBA selection. That's not like a staggering amount. He's made five all-star games. That's not necessarily a staggering amount, but you look at the number of points he's scored in his career at this point, basically Everyone who is like around the mark that DeMar DeRozan is, he's 54th all time in NBA history in points. Basically everyone in the top 50 all time in scoring is a hall of famer. Like it's pretty clear to be honest, like where that line of demarcation is, as soon as you get past Joe Johnson and LaMarcus Aldridge at 50 and 49, it's literally just everyone ahead of that is in the hall of fame. Like Pau Gasol is going to make the hall of fame. He's 44th. Um, Dwayne Wade, obviously is going to make the hall of fame. He's 35th. You have guys like Hal Greer, Walt Bellamy, both hall of famers, Bob Pettit, 45th hall of famer. Mitch Richmond is probably the guy that's like most comparable to DeMar DeRozan in terms of like hall of fame career and numbers. He was a five time all NBA player in a weaker time period in terms of just basketball being played. Sorry to the like late eighties and early 1990s, (laughs) um, six time all-star, uh, you know, you just kind of look across the board in terms of what the numbers are going to look like. DeMar is going to have exceeded Mitch Richmond's numbers. I think that we're probably at the point where, look, DeMar right now is at, I'm trying to pull up the number. He's at basically like 20,000 points scored. Something like that is the full number. Is it 19? 
19,298. Uh, I don't know where he is in assists. So but he's, he's been nine- top 15 in points responsible for, for like the last seven years. This, right. this guy has been doing what he's doing. Now he's taking it up a notch in Chicago because he's got better players around him. And I mean, it's a system that it's perfect for him. It's perfect right. for him. This is, this is what it looks like if you were to kind of build around DeRozan, which is a funny thing to say, but they are maximizing the thing that he's amazing at. Finding so shooters DeMar, and shooting in the mid-range. DeMar in seasons where you know he averages, right now he's averaging 28 points a game, which is a career high, right? Like let's even assume that he falls back into like the 21 to 23 point per game range. You're still talking about like 1800 points per season um let's say he does that over the next two that's like 3600 points on top of where he's at now um and then add 500 more for the rest of the year something like that so let's add essentially 4000 to the 19,298 that he's at we're talking about a guy that's going to be a top 35 scorer of all time in the nba Uh, and on top of that he's going to have made a first team all nba team uh, this year carried a team to the top of the Eastern Conference. I, I think that it's going to be this season, particularly, that pushes people from, oh, DeMar, like we need to have arguments about DeMar DeRozan. He's like not a Hall of Famer to this guy is a Hall of Famer. The numbers are going to stack up at the end of his career, no question. But then you look back at that 2021-22 season, he carried the Chicago Bulls. It was unbelievable. This is his Hall of Fame. Uh, This is DeMar DeRozan's Hall of Fame clinching season is my bold prediction. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. I mean, I've been a DeMar guy for a while. Um, He's an underrated player that I think I hammered unnecessarily because that's just what the internet commentariat tend to do with guys that don't fit into a perfect mold, whatever the perfect mold is. Like we just talked about with Jokic. I mean, you could rehash some of the same statements about DeMar. And and it didn't help that LeBron embarrassed him very, very, very publicly. These were high-profile games, you know. I mean, Toronto was so good and could not get over LeBron. And then they win a title with Kawhi and not DeMar. So, um, yeah, this is – I don't know, man. It's been nice for me to watch uh, as a guy who has enjoyed DeMar for, for the, you know, most of his career. Yeah. I do no, think I that you, you're probably right. He probably is going to make the hall of fame. And I think this, this season will help, but back to this season, Chicago could win their first round playoff series easily. If everything yeah. breaks right for him. I, I just think that they, of, of the, you know, let's say the top four or five in the East, uh, you know, being Brooklyn, even though one of my takes is going to make it seem like they're not one of the top teams, but you've got Kevin Durant, <laughs> uh, but you know, Miami, Chicago, uh, Milwaukee, Philly, let's say, uh, uh, Brooklyn. I, I think that of that group, the Bulls are, are the most vulnerable. And I don't even, it, that's not really that hot of a take. I'll be, I'll, I'll call myself out there. Maybe it's not that hot of a take, um, especially if they are the four seed and, you know, maybe Brooklyn's a five seed or something like that. It's just, they're, the East is so tough that they are going to have a hard time no matter who they play. Yeah. I think that's right. Like, I think that they're the team that is probably most susceptible to match up specific mm-hmm. questions over a seven game series. Uh, I think Zach Levine's done a great job defensively, like improving and, and getting mm-hmm. to the point where he's not a liability on that end. 
But if Lonzo and Caruso aren't at full strength and they're relying on like Io DeSumo in those moments, or um, let's say like Javante Green and ends up being the guy like that comes yeah. back, right? Like um, I worry about offense and just like being able to completely sag off of a player. And that, and like in the playoffs, I think that's what would happen to Io or Javante Green or someone like that. And then defensively, I worry about having like a true stopper out there against like bigger wings, like a Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or having uh, enough size on the interior, frankly, uh, to deal with guys like Joel Embiid. Cause like Nikola Vucevic is going to have problems with someone like that. Boston, on top would of that be, they're, Boston would be big trouble for Chicago. They're, the way so their too. defense is, is set up. And like you mentioned, having two big wings, and now you add yeah. Derek White to the mix, and you've got a lob threat in, in Rob Williams, and I think Vooch is might be one of the more ill-suited bigs in the playoffs to to deal with that sort of guy. The half court defense for for the Celtics. I mean, I, if there's one team in that bottom half that Chicago really needs to avoid, it's them. I, if you're Chicago, you probably would rather run into Toronto. Yeah, it's interesting. I I was just kind of thinking about a Toronto series in my head. Yeah, I mean, Toronto is another one of these teams that, like, I just think they're going to be, you know, I said this on Twitter, which is always funny, but um, tough to play. Nobody's going to want to play them. And it's not that they're necessarily going to beat anyone, but they are going to be annoying, man. They've got so much energy and length. And, you know, they're, they're, I think they're, they're issues, you know, in half court offense, we, we know all that. But the things that they're going to be able to do to be disruptive are going to keep them in games, and especially yeah. come playoff time because the defense is built for the playoffs. So I think Toronto probably not going to steal a first round series, but I wouldn't want to play them. I, there's yeah. no team that you really want to play. I, like the East is is just just it's it's nuts from top to bottom. The East is totally loaded. And like, there's it's no a perfect joke. team. There's no perfect yeah. team. So it's all very, very open. But I do think of the guy, of the teams that we tend to lean toward, okay, these are the, the top five in the East. I think Chicago is the most vulnerable come playoff time. Yep. Okay. Um, I gave my second bold prediction here. So give, give me your second uh, now that we're up. Brooklyn will be a play-in team. They're yeah, in the I mean, play-in play right, now. right now. We yep. don't know when Kevin Durant's coming back. Not sure when Ben Simmons is going to be available. They did sign Goran Dragic, but, you know, who knows how he's going to look? Uh, who knows yep. what kind of role he's going to be in? Um, I don't know that they're going to be able to win enough games to get out of the play-in. Uh, Kyrie not playing home games, which, as of right now, the mayor of New York is is not backing down although he quote is struggling with it and they're going to they're going to get rid of that by the playoffs. I'm not worried about that. This is actually one of the reasons why the East is more interesting right now is because I think Brooklyn is going to be a play-in team and they're going to have Kyrie at home in the playoffs. And that's conjecture by the way. I have no reporting on that. Yeah. This is just my guess looking at the way that things are moving. It, it's a fascinating situation with Brooklyn. Because the longer that they're without Kevin Durant, the greater those odds are. And Durant has been so evasive, I guess. Like, look back to the um, 
all-star draft, for instance, just in terms of when he will be back, which is fine. Like he should be evasive when answering questions of the media. Like I don't really have a problem with him doing yeah. it, but it doesn't uh, give a ton of confidence. Maybe is the way to put it in terms of just what the Brooklyn situation is going to look like. They also have a miserable schedule here coming up out of the all-star break. Uh, It it is going to be very tough for them uh, to win games because a lot of these games particularly uh, occur in New York where Kyrie is not going to be able to play. So they play uh, coming out of the all-star break. They play Boston at home. They're at Milwaukee, which is a game that Kyrie can play, but is an incredibly difficult game. They're at home against Toronto. Kyrie can't play. They're at Toronto where Kyrie also can't play, I believe, because of Toronto border restrictions, right? Right. Um, they then go and play a home game against Miami, uh, which means Kyrie won't be able to play in that. And then they're at Boston on March 6th. That's a really difficult That could game. be 0-6. Like, it really could be 0-6 if Kevin Durant is not back and if Ben Simmons is not playing. So I don't know what to do with Brooklyn at this point. Cause if they lose those six games, they are probably a play in team. Mm-hmm. Like if they lose those six games, they're sitting at 31 and 34 and that gets really hard in the East. Um, look, you look at the top six, who in the top six is trending down right now? Nobody. Boston is trending no, up. They've solved so. so many of their problems. I mean, it's just, yeah. this could be where the standings are outside of maybe, you know, some shuffling between nine and, you know, you could even say nine and 12, although I don't think the Knicks have it in them, but nine and 11, I think you, you could have some swapping. Maybe Brooklyn can get up to seven, but I don't, I don't think Toronto is going to fall off. It, it's, it, we might be looking at what the playoffs look like right now. Yeah. And yeah. A, a lot of this obviously is, is going to be health dependent and, and we know, you know, everything's in flux when it comes to that. But yeah, I just think that it might already be too late unless Kevin Durant's back. Yes. He said Kevin weekend. Durant's back yeah. like next it, week. Like it's all fine. Fine. they could be the one seat. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean, probably. Uh, I don't think but, they can be the one, but they can be but, pretty high, but yeah. they, they are going to be a, they, they're going to be much better if they have Kevin Durant back. But again, like you said, the indications aren't there. Doesn't seem like, but you know what the funny is thing is talking, you know, like so. you just mentioned like golden state, uh, potentially catching Phoenix, Phoenix for the one yeah. seed, right? Because uh, they're six and a half games back. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn is seven games back of the one seed, and they're in the eighth uh, spot and, right now. Hey, and and the, the one – listen, Miami has done very well this season, and I think Eric Spolstra is on the short list of coaches, coaches of the year, although there yeah. a lot of guys doing really incredible coaching jobs this year. This is the year it's going to be toughest, I think, to pick the coach of the year because there are maybe ten coaches that are – you can make a good argument for, and it's all about yep. context and, and how you how you feel about certain things. Uh, I just think that Miami is vulnerable, not as much as yeah, Chicago, I but I don't think that you know. I think that they've gotten by quite a bit because Bolstra is so good, not necessarily because the team itself is good. And yeah. I, but I don't think anyone is going. I don't think Brooklyn's going to catch them for the one seat. Now Milwaukee, two and a half games back. Sure, you could sell me on that one for sure. Yeah, M- Milwaukee is uh I think Milwaukee's about to go on a run here as I mentioned oh, yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. Let's uh let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll get into our third and fourth uh bold predictions here in the East. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, we're back. Dave, my third bold prediction is about the playoffs as well. It is that the Boston Celtics, a team that we mentioned a minute ago, the Boston Celtics win two playoff series this year. Not just one, they win two. They go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Why do I feel that way? They're playing incredibly well, first and foremost. Uh, This is the best defensive team in the NBA right now. Uh, Full stop, no questions asked. They got better defensively at the trade deadline by acquiring Derek White. They have all sorts of shot making to make themselves miserable to play against. They have real rim protection in Robert Williams. They have a real backup center in Al Horford who can help them run the offense. This is going to be a miserable team to play in the playoffs. This team is built for the playoffs now, I think. They are switchable defensively. They can play drop coverage defensively if they want to. Uh, They can play a variety of different alignments defensively. They have a defensive stopper in Marcus Smart who can take tough matchups that can also reduce some stress on their big wing defenders in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who they can also throw on great players for minutes at a time, although you don't want to do that for a substantial amount of time, just given that, you know, you don't want your stars dealing with that. They have all sorts of shot creation from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. This is an unbelievably good setup team for the playoffs, in my opinion, right now. We're, where are you at on the Boston Celtics, Dave? I agree with you. And if they catch Chicago in the first round, I think they're going to win. Second round, it gets trickier because that, that half-court yeah. offense has – there are question marks there. And there, there have been forever, and it's not just you know this year. Um, but there are question marks about whether or not they can get it done in the half-court and especially in the playoffs. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be up to Jason Tatum, I think. His play style is going to have to adjust. He, he's going to have to make more plays for other people, but – defensively man i'm with you that team is a buzzsaw yeah. and it can guard you just about any way the, the teams they're going to deal with that, that they're going to struggle against are going to be milwaukee and it's going to be philadelphia size so, is going to be a problem and Giannis yeah. is a problem for everybody and so is Embiid. so now you've got to say okay those guys are going to get theirs can we shut down everybody else and i think boston does have a chance to do that especially against a team like philadelphia where you know that the other guy you got to shut down is james harden and James Harden is pretty predictable at this point. So, you know, do yeah. they have the bodies to throw at Harden? Yes. They don't have the bodies for Embiid. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't hate your take. There's, there's a chance there. I don't think they beat Milwaukee. But I you don't can think sell me Milwaukee. on the idea that if the Harden-Embiid fit isn't great, that they could beat Philly. So right now... Boston is, I believe, what, the five seed in the East? Because they're behind Chicago and Miami. They're behind Philadelphia and they're behind Cleveland, I believe. So no, they they're the they're the sixth seed. No, they're the five seed. I did math right the first time. They're the five seed. Uh so they'd be in a four-five matchup, potentially with Cleveland. I like that matchup against Cleveland. I'm sorry, Cavs fans. Uh I really like that. Um I like the matchup against the Bulls for the reasons that you just mentioned. I like the matchup against Philadelphia. I think that what you do against Philadelphia defensively is you just continually involve James Harden in as many screen actions as you can and force him to make tough decisions. And I think that that's look with with the way that Philadelphia's defense is going to have to operate. 
we saw what happens with someone like Seth Curry last year in the playoffs. I think James is actually a little bit better than Seth defensively, but can struggle with just general uh, general like communication issues mm-hmm. where like if, if you're not just having him purely switch on to a guy, it can get a little bit trickier. And last year, Philadelphia didn't do that. Like they tried to have like Matisse Thibel, who was on Jason Tatum, like fight through the act or on um, Trey Young. I'm sorry. Just like try and fight through the action. So they didn't get the matchup that they wanted with Trey. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you want James on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but I think he pulled up a little bit better than Seth Curry would. Yeah. Um, against Miami, I think Miami's kind of a tough matchup for them. That's just like a pure seven game series. That's like a physical 98 to 96, like six games of that series. And Um, oddly, they are a challenge in in the other way in that they can match up with Boston so well. Yeah. Very similar as far, you know, like Bam and and Rob Williams, obviously Bam is better. And, and, you know, Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler, but they are, they are very similar. And I, I would trust Miami more in that matchup because I trust Miami more on the offensive end. I, I think Miami well, and, and I trust Spolstra a little bit more to oh, like figure 100%. it out. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. just because Ime Yudoka is a new coach. I think he's right. done really well this year. It's just mm-hmm. like your first time going through a playoff series against like a yeah. legitimate hall of fame coach. That's probably going to be hard. Yeah. I mean, the East is going to be, it's the, the playoffs in the East are going to be fantastic. I think because yeah. the matchups are compelling every single one of them, but Boston, if, if they can luck out, Catch catch Chicago in the first round, and maybe Philly in the second round, and everything breaks right for them. Man, uh, I can see it, Sam. I, yeah. I I don't hate it. I think that the reason that I like this right now is largely because Boston is a team that matches up with a wide swath of other teams. Basically, um, Chicago I think will be a little bit more matchup dependent for the reasons that we mentioned. Right. Um, Philadelphia, I think like just due to the defensive schemes they have to play, like I would be fascinated to see another Atlanta Philadelphia series. Like if it, Philadelphia gets the one seed and Atlanta ends up in the eight coming out of the play in tournament, like I would be fascinated to see that series. I think Philadelphia would win personally, but I think that the Atlanta's matchup specific issues that they exploited last year with Trey Young just completely attacking and continually attacking some of their uh, problematic defenders and attacking their drop coverage uh, with Joel Embiid and having Trey just pull up or Trey hit floaters, things like that. I think those inherent matchup difficulties for Philadelphia still exist to where I'd be interested to see it. Um, I, I think with Boston, it's hard to match up with them. It's hard to find like the actual flaw. They might be less talented than other teams. Like they just have like less dudes than some other teams. Yeah, sure. In the East. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in the, terms the of flaws like, are there. The flaws are there. I mean, it, it's it, half court offense is a struggle for them. Um, and, and I need ooh. to see more with Derek White because maybe it's yeah. not okay. But I just need to see more. We haven't seen enough. Yet. I think that's where I'm at. Like, I think Derek yeah. White's going to fix a lot of the unselfishness he issues that oh, the half offense can. Yeah, and I love uh, what I saw in the couple of games that I've seen with him there. Yeah. Um. So, but I, you know, I need to see a little bit more of it, uh, going forward before I'm ready to say, okay, their half court offense has, has solved a lot of his problems. But I mean, the defense is undeniable. You cannot. I yeah. mean, you know, we were t- I was talking about this with Keith Parrish the other day. There, there are more teams right now in the league that can just decide you're not going to make a basket for five or yeah. six possessions. 
than I can ever remember. Defenses are being allowed to play, and we're seeing what happens when you have high-level athletes who know how to play defense, which we are fortunate to have so many of. Because as a guy who just – I mean, I love defense. Love defense. As a basketball coach, I will focus uh, the majority of my time on defense. Uh, It is a renaissance for NBA defense right now. And I think Boston, what they're doing, they're at the top of their game. They're they're fantastic. So – and this is something you wanted to talk about. So let's have a let's have this conversation now. Sure. I think that one thing we don't know and that makes these playoffs more inherently difficult to predict. Yeah. Is how the game is going to be officiated when it comes down to it. And I think that remains unclear. Uh will NBA referees let them play more in the playoffs? I think they like look like generally I think that in like winner go home scenarios and in like the heaviest moments NBA referees do have a tendency more often than not to let the players decide it. If that's going to happen teams that can be super physical on the perimeter, like Boston, I think are at an advantage, especially given what we've seen so far this year about the way the game has been called. I don't know. I mean, this is what you, this is something you brought up. So like, I think it's really, really interesting. And I think that like, it, it, it does make it more inherently difficult to predict where the NBA is going to go uh, during the playoffs this year. There's a good argument to be made that this regular season has looked more like playoff officiating. Mm-hmm. And as long as this continues, then okay, cool. It's more predictable, but usually it changes. Usually it tightens up. You don't get the same amount of calls. I mean, it's one of the big knocks on James Harden is, Oh, this, this shit doesn't work in the playoffs. And it doesn't yeah. Chris Paul too, right? The grifters. That, that we love so much doesn't work. Um, I think that that's what we should expect, but will they allow the amount of physicality that, they, <clears throat> that they're currently allowing come playoff time? Because a lot of this stuff is happening on the perimeter and it's, you can argue it's not necessarily affecting the play, but of course every single action is, uh, but defenders outside are getting, they're getting more handsy. They're able to use their hips more. And I think that this is more, of an accurate representation of what NBA defense should be allowed to be. And I hope yeah. to see that continue in the playoffs. And that, you know, I'm been pleased this year with the, with the officiating and no reviews and all of the other things that, you know, make me feel like my time is being respected. Shout out to the <laughs> referees for that one. Oh, my and not, God. I mean, Dave, as a up. fan, man, don't, don't, don't ruin the sport we love because you want to see scores go up. I, I yeah. don't care about free throws. If it was up to me, we wouldn't have them. Right. Who wants to watch a free throw? Not me. That's true. No, man. No. Do that in your do that in your driveway. Don't do that on my television. <laughs> You'd be a bigger fan if we would do one free throw as opposed to uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually think for I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can fix stuff that that is broken, but there's very little broken. Like I, I do think that just allowing the referees to use their experience and knowledge of the game to officiate has made a huge difference. And now look at what we're focusing on. The thing that everyone brings up, we're not complaining about yeah. ticky-tack fouls as much anymore or the flopping. A lot of that has gone away. Now, Chris Paul is still going to get away with the rip-through, and so is Kevin Durant, and we hope that goes away with the next generation. Like, I did not like seeing Chris Paul teaching that move on a basketball court. I don't want, I don't want any more of that. <laughs> Let it go away. Let it die with this generation. 
But I do think that by allowing the referees who have been in the damn game their whole lives, they played growing up, they've learned how to how to referee, how to officiate. The spirit of the game matters. And it matters as much to those guys as it does to me, as it does to the players, everybody else involved in the sport of basketball. And so by allowing these guys and trusting their judgment, the game is better. Uh, the one thing that we've been complaining about, the, the breakaway fouls, the Euro foul, they fixed it in Europe. It's an easy fix. We'll do that next year. Yeah. Uh, the competition committee is 100% going to do that. Uh, there's a there's a not bold take for you, a not bold prediction, <laughs> that they're going to fix the Euro foul this summer. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. We, should do, a, we, should, do a, good. we should do a Dave Dufour uh, hashtag hoop idea utopia <sighs> podcast at some Man, point. Man, you don't want that. <laughs> Actually, no, you do want that. We want an autocratic yeah. Dave Dufour led NBA. I mean, it would be fantastic. No one would ever be able to make a trade. Love the one you're with. Oh my God. Dave, you're up at number three. What What is your third bold prediction? Oh, uh, yes, I got it. The Washington Wizards and Kristaps Porzingis will make the play-in. Oh my okay. God. They, they are coming. And I, unfortunately, I think Charlotte is the team to, to drop out. Atlanta Atlanta has the talent. They should be okay. They should maybe even move up, depending on what happens with Brooklyn. But I think the Wizards and Porzingis are, are going to go on a, enough of a run to be able to make the play in. And it is going to make people think that Luka was the problem with Porzingis. You're going to have to explain this one without Bradley Beal. I, I am. Uh, I know. This is a good this one. Is the thing. This is I a just great think bold that prediction. I love they're, it. They're only a game back. And I do think that with the other teams in the East basically tanking or just being bad, that they have a chance. And, and Charlotte, man, they've been struggling. Their defense is so bad. Yeah. I just don't. I, I think that Charlotte is a year away from, from this spot that they've been in. That yeah. That's what it's more about than anything. And, and with, the Wizards have had some weird stuff, but it seems like they they tried to sort some of that weirdness out at the trade deadline, and they got Porzingis, who's a good player. Like, they improved. Even without Beal, yeah. they made their team better. And so I, I just think that they've got a good shot. It's not really that hot of a take. None yeah, of these no, are. They're, they're, None of these are. Two games, you know. They're two games back in the loss column of mm-hmm. the Charlotte Hornets. They are one game back, period of the Atlanta Hawks or they're two games back in the win column. I'm sorry. The same in the loss column, the um, Washington wizards and the Atlanta Hawks. So, or in the Charlotte Hornets, I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't hate this. I would feel like definitely this is going to happen if Bradley Beal like is going to play. And I, I think that they have every desire to win in order to prove to Bradley Beal, we can win with you next year. Uh, we can make this work for you next year if you opt in. I think he has to opt into that deal mm-hmm. uh, this summer or resign if you just sign this enormous, massive extension. Uh, this is I mean, not he's going to do team. that, right? Like he's going to sign that extension, right? Like he, that's that's happening. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I think that that makes the most financial sense. Like, sign it and then play a year and then ask for a trade if you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. That, kind of what we all one. thought would happen on the last extension with him. Now, yeah. I, I, will tell you I think this. that's exactly I, right. I talked to Fred Katz a lot, uh, and Fred now covers the Knicks for us. Um, you know, we got Josh Robbins 
covering the Wizards. But I used to do Fred's podcast, Wizards After Dark, all the time because apparently I was one of the few people that actually watched a lot of Wizards games. Yeah. Bradley Beal wants to be in Washington. From He does. All of the reporting and, and just talking to people around the league. It is important to him to, to be with one team for his whole career. And whether that remains true or not, we don't know. But I, I think he's going to sign this extension and it feels like a no-brainer. It's it's a lot of money. It's fantastic for him and his family. Yeah. And I think they're going to have a year to f- kind of figure that out. So the it's important for the Wizards to push for that play-in game for yeah. this reason. So, yeah, this is – and I also – Porzingis is just better than the guys they got rid of. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. He's much better than uh, Montres Harrell, for instance. Mm-hmm. He's definitely much better than the version of Spencer Dinwiddie that they had for a while. And, you know, losing Davis Bertans and Dinwiddie is probably addition by subtraction on some level, <laughs> just given the way Our that defense, Dinwiddie was playing this year, unfortunately. Porzingis yeah. is going to make their defense better. He he yeah. should improve their offense. I mean, it's going to be – I'm assuming he's going to be the focal point. And we've seen that before. So he will put up some some decent numbers as long as he's healthy and out there. I mean, the caveat to all of these things. But I, I do think that the Wizards just stand a better chance than Charlotte. Uh, of being in that range because they're they're neck and neck and, and it's just so yeah. close and Charlotte's defense is just whew. I don't it's I rough. don't mind this this is a fun take yeah okay I, I'm in I like this one well, okay, I'm really the last focused one. on the play in man I'm really focused on the play in that's like I love it well well I'm going to the play in next my my last one is one that is a downer for me this has been my favorite team to watch in the NBA this oh, year no. I'm very sad about it. Uh, I'm disappointed that I have to say this. I don't have to say it, but uh, this this is where I'm at on this team. And it's because of the other teams that are coming, not because of them. Sure. Uh, I love the Cleveland Cavaliers. I love this team. I think they end up as a playing team. I, I think they end up as a playing team. They're fourth like right knife now. knife in my in heart. I know. And it would make me sad. I think they make the playoffs. Like I think that they win the play-in tournament and they have a great, tough series in the first round against whoever they play. Um, they could win that first round series even. Like all of these teams in the East are so tight. I think that they end up in the play-in tournament. I think that Toronto is coming. Pascal Siakam is playing unbelievable basketball right now. I almost is a like one of my bold predictions was almost that Pascal Siakam goes from not making the all-star team to making the all NBA team. Like that's, that was a serious thought that I had. I mean, he's he's been incredible. Yes. Uh, You know what has been, here's my last take just as just to battle your take. Cleveland's going to win the East. They're going to be the one seed. Ooh. Look at their schedule the rest of the way. I love it. Let's do it. So they you're getting the all-star bump for, yep. for Jared Allen, Garland. They are at, they've added Levert, and he was he has proved to be that piece that they needed. They needed a guy who could generate a shot. Yep. And now I think he will do it more efficiently as he becomes accustomed to what they do. They're only two and a half games out of the one spot. They've played a them. lot of their tough opponents. They've already played Milwaukee three times. They've played the Bulls a few times. Yeah. How about that? Cleveland. Their, their first the few ones. games coming out of All-Star break. They're at Detroit. They play Easy. Washington. Boom. They play Minnesota at home. Done. They play Charlotte at home. They're at Philadelphia, which is a tough one. Then They, they play might be Toronto, the one seed by they're... next week. 
they they really could be. They're at Indiana uh, next. Like by March eighth, they could legitimately be the one seed, um, or they could be in the play-in, or they could be in the play-in. That's how tight this thing is. I mean, I Toronto it, right now so is, I believe, the seven. Right? I'm not yes, wrong on that. They are. They yes. they are. They are currently seventh. They're uh, a half a game behind the Celtics. And then two and a half games behind Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Milwaukee, who are bunched up in, in three through five. And then yeah. those teams are two and a half games behind Chicago and Miami. Like just to illustrate for, for anybody who needs that uh, laid out for them, just how tight everything is and why it's so funny that we can have these completely opposite <laughs> takes. Yeah, like there are eight teams right now that – like this would be a great year to just like, frankly, like not have the play in. It feels like, cause like there are eight teams as long as Brooklyn like figures yeah. their shit out. Like mm-hmm. there are eight teams this year that like yeah. should make the playoffs. The just, baby playoff teams should lose. Right. Like, I, although I don't know who that is because I, Atlanta might be a real playoff team. That's just been dumb yeah. for half the season. That's true. Maybe, that's maybe the, this is a year that does need to play in. Then. It's weird. Right? Um, if, if Atlanta Toronto, does get it together. Yeah. I would argue Toronto feels like the team that shouldn't be there, but it's only because Siakam hasn't been doing this all year. If yeah, Siakam I mean, had, had come out like this, you know, if his shoulder was, was a hundred percent right away, Toronto is a different team. We're talking about them differently. I, I, this is, this has been my favorite season covering the NBA, you know, and I started in what, 2016. Um, this has been the best season so far. Uh, from a quality standpoint, but I, this, the competitive nature going into the playoffs, nothing like it yet. I'm so fired up for this playoff run. The next 20, 24 games actually matter in the regular season. Now, now can we get the league to act like it? That, that'll be a, the next caveat to that. So the, the Toronto Raptors over the last 15 games that they've played, uh, they are the third best team in the Eastern Conference, they have a plus 4.7 net rating. They've gone 11 and 4 in that time. By the way, the Boston Celtics in their last 15 games, have you looked at these numbers? I, their numbers are insane. They so some of these teams are hitting their stride during lulls for other yeah. teams and and it's it's exaggerating everything quite a bit. I I think most of these teams are closer to the middle than they seem. Yeah. Except for Milwaukee. I think, Milwaukee I think Milwaukee is the is true class of the East until we see Kevin Durant and Simmons with with that squad because I mean they, there might not be a ceiling on that team. Whereas Milwaukee, the the issue that I worry about was Brooke Lopez and is he going to come back and be healthy? And if not, is Ibaka? Does he give him enough of that Brooke Lopez for fifteen minutes? Uh, and then it's just Giannis unleashed the rest of the time. You know, that's my one question mark for them. But I still think that that is yeah. you've got Giannis and that is the class of the East. But everyone else is very close to the middle. Yep. In the case of Boston, I just want to say this out loud. Uh, they've won 11 of their last 15. They have a plus 16.6 net rating in those games. <laughs> yeah. That like is- AAU. That is legit like AAU basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, They've been barnstorming. Yeah. The Cavs have been really good in their last 15. They've won 10 of their last 15. They have a plus one net rating. They're still defending at a very high level. I just worry that their offense might start to crack a little bit. Uh, they have a bottom seven offense in the league over that time. I know that Levert comes in and he will help, 
the more that they get to utilize him. I just worry about whether or not the defense can hold up at the level to which it needs to hold up. Like it needs to continue to be not just like a top 10 defense in the league. Like it needs to continue to be a top five defense in order for the Cavs to maintain this level. Right. Look over the last 15 games, they've been the fourth best defense in the league. There there have been no signs of cracks yet in this regard. And they play hard. They are tough. Like I love the Cavs. I love watching them play. I just kind of think that Toronto has played a little bit better over the course of, you know, the last couple of months, basically since Siakam has been back. And I think that they push up into that top six. And I think that Cleveland ends up in the seventh spot. What if Philly's the team that drops to the play in and it's not Cleveland? What if, what if the growing pains of adding Harden cause them to slip just enough? It, I this just is, think Joel has been too good. Oh I yeah. Just think that he's going to like, yeah, like, look, we're talking about Joel Embiid as the MVP. I trust Joel Embiid, right? Like, I don't necessarily yeah. trust Darius Garland and Evan Mobley at this point yet. Yeah, like I, I love the Cavs. I trust Joel Embiid a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, I've talked about Boston. I just really like Boston right now. Uh, look, like Chicago, they're back. Like Chicago is what five or six games up on the mm-hmm. plan. Like I don't think that they're going to drop that far. Uh, there's just not enough time to drop that far. Right. Miami is yeah. five or six games up on the plan. They're not going to drop that far. Um, I, it's tough. Like it, it's hard to it's hard to find the team other than Cleveland who has like the specific weakness. If we think that Boston's offense has been relatively fixed with the addition of Derek white and with how they've been playing over these last 15 games where they've been a top 10 offense during that time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. That's I, a cool part about it. This is why this is, this is the compelling part of sports, right? I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I, yeah. I mean, I, give, I know give me, part give of me my job is like Give me your case on Cleveland going to the one seed. Cause I think that it's a really possible strength of schedule, man. Like they, they have yeah. an easier schedule and I trust their defense to stay top five. Like I do think that that defense, there's just, that's who they are. They they are yep. a top five defense no matter what. And the offensive concerns are more of a playoff issue, not a regular season issue. I think that they can generate yep. plenty of offense. Also, they have the capability to hold you to 87 points if yep. they needed to. You know, And can they score 95 and win some 95-87 games? Yes. I mean, yep. I, I'm dreaming of, of a – 79-73 Cleveland Cavalier victory. That would be amazing. Like, could they play Boston? And that's the game we get. A little throwback. I do think that they have the capability to do that defensively. We've seen it. I watched them for three and a half minutes. The Indiana Pacers could not get the ball to hit the rim. They, <laughs> Cleveland just, their offense wasn't working. They just said, it's over. You don't, you're not going to touch the rim. There were multiple 24-second violations and turnovers and blocks. That defense has just a, another level. They're, it's like Boston and and Toronto, I think. Like very similar as far as the ability to, to turn it up. I trust them to pull it off. Now, yeah. will they? I don't know. But I'd love to see it. If the Cleveland Cavaliers make the one seed, that is a fantastic story. 
It really is. And Chicago too. Like if Chicago sure. would be the one seed, I think that's a fantastic story. Mm-hmm. Like I, I yeah. think that'd be amazing. Uh, for the and DeMar itself. gets more MVP votes if, if they're the one seed. So please Chicago make the one seed. I want to see DeMar DeRozan get those MVP votes at least this year. Right. That's fun. My, so Darius Garland's been unbelievable. Evan Mobley has been unbelievable. Uh, Jared Allen has been unbelievable, but he he doesn't really fit this necessarily in the way that I'm going to say it. Like, I worry about Darius Garland and Evan Mobley as young players in the league who just had very extensive, like, all-star weekends as well, mm-hmm. right? I worry about them holding up as well late in the season due to the grind of the season, especially Mobley. Garland, I think, just might be great at this point yeah um and there's just like no concern there and he was great to close the season last season as well um was unbelievable uh in his last like 15 to 20 games if i remember correctly um evan mobley i do worry about what it looks like for him going through this for the first time Mm -hmm. dealing with the physicality of the league for the first time you know going from minute he's at like minute 1700 right now uh, to what, what does this look like when he's at minute 2,200? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. pushing 2,000 minutes. What, you know, how's he holding up? You know, and I don't know. I will say this. Yeah. The schedule makers have done a better job. Like there's fewer back-to-backs. I, I do think that we're, we're yeah. kind of living in a bit of a new reality because the schedule, they've put so much of a impetus on making sure that there's rest and, and all of these things. He's also in really good condition. Yeah. Clearly has worked on his body. And I think that those guys hold up better. So yeah. I'm I'm betting on Mobley. I mean, you know, hot take, but that guy's going to win Rookie of the Year and deservedly <laughs> so. I will put my money on him being able to hold up for the next 20, 22 games, whatever they've got left. I, I think he's going to be able to pull it off. And yeah, I'm leaning Cavs. Yeah, Cavs are going to win the East. I'm just that. There's my hot take. There you go. Yeah, I, I would love – I hope he does. Like, I, I really amazing. genuinely hope he does. Yeah. I, I will say, you look at the shooting numbers. I mean, he's shooting 49-18-59 uh, over the course of his last – what what is this? Uh, 14 games. <sighs> I, I hope he Small holds sample up. size. Small sample size. Small sample size. Small sample. That's how, Small we, sample. That's how, we, we, that's how we write over that. Small sample size. Yeah. Only 14 games. Uh, and, I, and I worry about what their defense looks like and how well it hangs together if Mobley mm-hmm. drops off by 10%. Either. Yeah. But I mean, again, this, this is where this is the physical unknown, right? This is, this is new right. territory for him. It's new territory for us. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of like I the love cool thing about dealing with human beings, right? Like it's unpredictable. Yeah. I yeah. hate this. Uh, I hate this prediction. I should have just done the Pascal Siakam goes from not making the all-star team to making the all-NBA team. Like <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. It's, I mean, you know, yeah. no, but the Cavs, I, I just, you know, I'm a big fan of the Cavs. They've been one of my, they were my, one of my teams to watch coming into the season. I actually chose really, really well this year. I mean, uh, the, the teams that I said I really wanted to focus on, Memphis, Cleveland, Charlotte, Golden State, you know, Minnesota, these are the teams I'm trying to watch more and more of and, mm-hmm. you know, coming into this year and man, it paid off when Cleveland just hit on Evan Mobley. What a revelation that guy is. Unbelievable. What yeah. a player. Um, Dave, that's all I've got for you at this point. That's it. We went an hour and six minutes. It's beautiful. We it's didn't a long stay podcast, too long. man. We didn't, we didn't overstay our welcome. 
I hope not. Listeners of the show who want the two-hour podcast, Matt Penny and I will be back this week. We're doing a mock draft podcast, so it's going to be long. You can expect that. Uh, Matt and I will go back and forth making picks. Let me ask but, you, where are you drafting yes, Bronny James? <laughs> oh, my God. This is something that Matt and I are going to have to talk about that. at some point. And like, this is like, I texted our good friend Seth Partnow this question earlier this weekend. If you got a season of 40 year old LeBron James, 41, right? Yeah, 41, where he's still averaging 20 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists per game, and is still like a top, let's say 15 player in the league at that point. Where do you take him if you know that you're getting, where do you take Bronny if you know you're getting that guy for one year? I don't know. Maybe like 15, uh, something know, like man. that. I think principles matter. <laughs> there are teams that will think that 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, not me. That's not for me. But if you're owner, if you're like the owner of a team and you can sell LeBron James merchandise for years upon years. Like, yeah, man. I just don't like money enough. I, I'm the wrong guy to ask because yeah. like no o- owners it's going to be like an ownership push more yeah. than we it's make fun, be like a we make fun of teams for signing jr smith's brother I, I think we should make fun of teams if they draft lebron james son so that he'll play there so that lebron would play there yeah i think we should make fun of him when that happens because it's going to happen i mean it's just like it's become and by the way like, like it's going to be as crass as it can possibly be it has happened it's going to happen yeah and by the way look like Bronny might like end up being an nba player maybe like, yeah he, yeah he, he is good know. enough to where I have no idea. Yeah. I ask people, right? Yeah, like he is good enough to where it's a genuine, real like possibility that he's good enough to play in the sure. NBA. Like he's growing, he's developing. Like he is. Mm-hmm. It's at an early stage still. So like we're getting to the point where it's worth evaluating him as like mm-hmm. a legitimate potential prospect. He wouldn't be like a one and done prospect in my opinion, but he is someone that genuinely has the talent and sees the court well enough to where he is like a genuine NBA prospect worth tracking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like this is not like Michael Jordan's kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's not that situation. Yeah. He's, well, I, and Bronny is a real thing. prospect. I, I also, I, I will say this agencies do this all the time behind the scenes. They, they will, they are pushing players uh, away and to certain places. Um, this is not like, I'm not trying to hammer LeBron for doing this. I, I, I want to mm-hmm. point out like, Everyone does this. I just don't like it. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Dave, tell the people where they can find your work. The Athletic NBA Show. Seven days a week at this point. I mean, we are we are just all-encompassing. So we got the Daily Day. We got Nerder She Wrote on Friday. I mean, the, the entire feed is just top to bottom. It's fantastic. Actually, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to the guys Basketball buds, the post all star basketball buds with Michelle Beadle was fantastic. It's it, it it encapsulates a lot of the emotions that I felt when I was watching Michael Jordan out there with those guys. And then the second half of that game, I thought was so much fun for a fan game. And, and these guys really captured the moment. So I highly recommend everybody go and listen to that. Man, how good was that like four minute Shaquille O'Neal just talk about? It was great getting to experience like that room of the greats that like he looked up to. That, that was unbelievable. Like that yeah. was like, that was like the highlight of all-star weekend for me. This is not a good all-star weekend, <laughs> but all of the stuff that happened yesterday uh, with the all-star game surrounding the NBA 75, it more than made up for what I didn't really like the rising stars situation. 
All-Star Saturday was a mess. But everything we saw on Sunday, I thought, in terms of NBA 75, in terms of the really fun All-Star game where Stephen Curry had 16 threes and was incredible, like that more than made up for any of the like bad stuff that we saw over the course of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, Michael Jordan showing up to stuff matters to the yeah. NBA. Um, yeah. It would be nice if they focused a little bit more on that, to be honest with you. Not necessarily Michael Jordan, but celebrating the actual game. We don't love Michael Jordan because he was an influencer. You don't know yeah. all that much about Michael Jordan, to be honest with you. It was one of the cool things about him. There was a mystique. Now, we have since learned a lot, unfortunately, for me. I don't, I don't care. But I, I do think I would like to see the NBA focus more on that. Hey, this is great. Instead of selling me NFTs and shit like that. Yeah, the, the Jalen Green NFT dunk was nah, not man, we're, the best. Yeah, I, I'm not into Ponzi schemes. So please, just uh, focus on the history, the rich history and culture of the <laughs> freaking sport. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I am on Dave's side on that one in terms of the way that the league uh, continues to put its product forth toward its consumers. Uh, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. We will be back next week, or no, in a couple of days. To be honest, typically it's next week, but. We'll be back in a couple of days with the second part of this podcast, the Western Conference uh, Bold Prediction Show. And then later in the week, probably on Friday, will be the Mock Draft Podcast. So this will go up on Monday. Uh, I'm guessing the uh, the Western Conference Bold Predictions will be Wednesday. And then Friday will be the Mock Draft Show. So until next time, we will talk soon.